Welcome to the South Metro Ministries podcast. Here's this week's message from Pastor Alan Matura. The motivation for this message this morning comes from two Sundays ago when a message was given in tongues and interpretation here at the church on a Sunday morning. And in that message, it was the revelation of the church and the Laodicean church in the book of Revelation, which was a lukewarm church. And God says, because you're neither hot nor cold, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. And I got home later that day, and the Holy Spirit said, that's where you are. That's where your church is headed. So that's the motivation for the message. It will not be a seeker-sensitive message. It will not be a soothe and stroke you message. And I'm not mad at anybody. But the last thing I'm going to do, not even the last thing, it's pastor a church that's lukewarm. I'm not going to do that. Not, not on my watch. So for the last two weeks, I've been getting, and I, you know, you, can, you all follow me on Twitter, Instagram. I ain't got a Twitter account because I'm not a Twit and I don't have a Twitter and I don't, you know, I don't have Facebook. You know, just follow me and whatever. I'm saying that, I've got to clean up some cobweb, kill the spider. And what I'm going to preach to you this morning is not going to be politically correct. But you're all just saying, I don't care what nobody says about me. Come this Tuesday, I ain't running for county dog catcher. So I don't need nobody's vote. I'm not being cocky or arrogant. I got a mission. So stretch your hands this way. Choir with you this way. Of, uh, repeat after me, church. Lord Jesus, may the words of the Lord, may the Spirit of God use your word, Lord, to transform my life and the life of this church beginning right now. In Jesus' name. Amen. As the choir descends and you remain standing, your text will be on the screen. It's found in Revelation chapter 3. And it begins at verse number 14. And if you have a red letter edition of Scripture, you'll find that it's written in red because these are the words of Jesus. You understand that John, a follower of Jesus, was exiled. He's the author of the book of Revelations. Because of Christ, they couldn't kill him, tried to boil him in oil and couldn't kill him. So they exiled John, the writer of this book called Revelation, to a barren island in the Aegean Sea, unpopulated, scarcely vegetation, and they hoped that he would die there, which he eventually did. But in between the time they put him there and God took him there, God gave him the revelation. And he says, I want you to write these things down. The things are to come. And he began with a personal letter to each of the churches. Each of these churches that mentioned in Revelations are actual churches existing at that time. Verse 14. And to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, these things says the Amen the faithful, the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. This is Jesus speaking. He's the faithful, true, and amen. 
I know your works. That you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm and neither cold or hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich and white garments that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. Verse 19. For as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. Would you say amen as you're seated? I, uh, I, I want to take the, the scriptures that you have just heard, and I want to break them down so we get the full intent of the writer, the meaning of the scriptures. I also have a piece of candy in my mouth that I need to get out. Thank you very much. So that was for you on the Internet. It's one of those classy things I do. Jesus, before he addressed all the other events that would take place in the last days, Especially after the church is raptured, and, and we'll be in the book of Revelations this month. I've been preaching to you on the coming of Christ. And last Sunday I preached on Matthew 25, the five wise, five foolish virgins. And the title of the message last Sunday was, Ready or Not, Here I Come. Two Sundays prior to that, a consist, uh, consecutively I preached on distractions, weapons of mass distraction. So today I'm looking at the title of today's lesson is The Church We Are Not Going to Be. Put it on the screen. The church we are not, we are not going to be the church of Laodicea. As hard as the devil tries to push in his spirit and the world's spirit into this church, I'm going to push back harder and you will help me because we are not going to be a church that is lukewarm. Jesus instructs John to write this letter, the whole book of Revelation, but especially to the churches. And so, so he writes to all the churches, and he comes to Laodicea. And he says in verse 14, to the angel of the church in which in Laodicea write. So if, if you put that on the screen for me. Laodicea was a very, very wealthy city founded by Articus II and named after his wife, Laodice. History tells us that the city of Laodicea was strategically located where three highways converged. Thus, it was very highly commercial, Laodicea. In addition, Laodicea was well known for its banking industry. A lot of money transactions. Along with that, it was a city that manufactured black wool, a very 
costly but attractive clothing and wool. And then along with that, it was a, a place, Laodicea, in Laodicea was a medical school that produced eye ointment, eye salve, ointment for medical purposes for your eyes, their eyes. The wealth in the city had been so enormous that they used the wealth to build theaters and a huge stadium and the lavish public baths as they had back then and fabulous shopping centers. Sounds familiar? Sounds like any typical metropolitan or metro city in America. History tells us so wealthy was the city of Laodicea that when an earthquake almost entirely destroyed the city in the year A.D. 60, that the wealthy citizens refused to accept Rome's help because, you know, Rome was the ruling power. They refused to take any help from Rome in rebuilding their city. If you were a real estate agent at that time, it wouldn't be hard to sell Laodicea. It was prime property. It was a great place to live. It was a land of opportunity. Sounds familiar? The only real negative thing about Laodicea was it lacked an adequate water supply. We'll deal with that in a few moments. The church here in Laodicea was was likely founded by Paul. See, see, Paul went about starting churches. I mean, he, he, he was, they were counting on the coming to the Lord while he was still alive. So he started churches all over. And this, this, he went to the city of Laodicea and started this church. And, and, and the Bible says that it was quite apparent, and it is to us when we get into the text, that the Christians here becomes victims of their environment. Now, now, you do understand that John sent this letter of revelation to seven churches. And to the other six churches, Jesus found something good to say about them. Even though there might have been some negative, he found something good and positive to say about them, but not the church of Laodicea. Nothing good could be said about them. Because the Bible says, and here's the one who's speaking in verse number 14, these things say the Amen, capital A, that, that means Jesus. The faithful, that means Jesus. The word Amen in the Greek means firm, stable, sure, established, and trustworthy. What's the point Jesus making? He's saying, don't you, and he's saying it in 21st century speech, don't you kid yourselves. What I'm about to say to you may shock you, but you can take it to the bank. The faithful and true witness, verse 14, is Jesus. The beginning of creation is Jesus. So, so let, 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 me, let, me, let me say this to you. Who is on trial in this text? The church. And who is the key witness? Very right. Jesus Christ. Therefore, there can be no excuses. It's time for an honest examination followed by honest repentance and a genuine desire for change of life. Look at verse 15. He begins by talking to them. He says, I know your deeds. What a powerful and sobering truth. Jesus knows our deeds. The, the, The King James Version says, I know your works. Alan, I know your stuff individually. You, whatever your name is, he knows your stuff individually and collectively as a church. South Metro Ministries, he knows our works. I'm not here to give account for Trinity Fellowship and I love Pastor Anthony. 
I'm not here to give an account for Crossroads, and I love Pastor Adams. I'm here to talk about South Metro Ministries. He knows us, and he knows our works. Now, now I, I proceed further to tell you, or maybe to ask you the question, what does Jesus know about our works and our deeds? And Mark 4, if you will, in verse 22, here's what he knows. For nothing is hidden except to be revealed. Nor has anything been secret, but that it should come to light. Now, now look at the screen. Or, 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 or look, uh, look both at the screen at me. Uh, you can hide it from your mama. I wasn't that fortunate. God gave my mama a sixth sense, and she always knew my junk. Thank God. Eventually, now I appreciate it. And God gave my wife a sixth sense. Why he did that, I don't know. But I appreciate it. Because she is my covering and helpmeet. So guys and gals, if you're single and you're still at home or away from home or whatever, and you may be a dog, your mama knows your stuff. If you're married, your wife knows your stuff. So if your mom and your wife know, you think God doesn't know your stuff? Who do you think told your wife and your mama about your stuff? Look at the next passage, please. Colossians 3 and 17. And whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I need to confess to you that some of what we've been doing around individually in our lives and in the church hasn't always been in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So I've decided that just because somebody else is doing it doesn't mean I'm going to do it. And just because that church down the road doesn't seek and, and, and anoint people with oil and pray for them doesn't mean I'm going to omit it. And just because the church down the road is politically correct and they don't name sin doesn't mean I, I'm not going to do it. I, I, that, God didn't call me about them. He called me about this house right here. And so, so I'm here to tell you that as we look at, what, 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 what were the deeds of the church at Laodicea, if you will? What, what were the deeds? Jesus said they were neither cold nor hot. And he said further, if you will, in the scripture, I, I would that you would, were cold or hot. What Jesus is saying is here, we know the answer. He's saying they are lukewarm. Now, this is perhaps one of the most familiar passages in the book of Revelations. Many sermons and lessons have been preached from the text. Lukewarmness is a characteristic which is most despised amongst Christ's church even today. Well, let's find out what, it, what is lukewarmness. It means lacking warmth of feeling or enthusiasm. To a Christian, it describes a state of indifference, complacency, or apathy. That's lukewarmness. Uh, let, let me pause. It's safe to come down. Uh, look, let's take the first sentence. It means lacking warmth of feeling or enthusiasm. You remember when you first got married or you were dating? Just three of us remember? You have lost warmth and enthusiasm. I can tell you right now. Joyce, I understand what you're married. You're stuck. Uh, but I, she lived in Georgia, this Georgia peach. And I lived in Greenville, South Carolina. And we had known each other since age 12, but we intersected at college. 
And uh, in the summertime, I would drive three hours one way from Greenville, South Carolina to see, oh, she's beautiful now, but I'm telling you, long blonde hair. Ooh, is that as far as I should go? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, Whitney Houston didn't have none on you, girl. Ah. And it, three hours would be like 30 minutes because I'd have Georgia, Georgia. And we dated at school, Matt. I'd, I'd go and ring the, the bell at the dorm where she resides and waiting for her to come down. You know, girls, it take a little extra longer. I, she was going to come down in a little bit and I'd wait. She'd come out that door. I'd hold that door of that dorm, go to the car and open that door. She secured an end in my 68 Plymouth Valiant <laughs> that if you push too hard on the brake, your foot will go right through the floor. And this was 1977 now. I had a 68. Uh, paid $500 for that car. <laughs> and we didn't have a lot of money, so I went to the world-renowned Crystal Hamburgers. <laughs> I let her eat. I fasted. We walked to the mall because you didn't have a lot of money there, you know. And, and I opened the door at the mall and we'd hold hands. Oh, I'm telling you. My hands would be sweating and my fingers kind of stuck to hers, but I wasn't going to turn loose because I had this warmth and feeling of enthusiasm. Wedding day came. It was December 22nd, 1978. Some of you didn't get a clue because you weren't here. And we said, I do, and then we did, and then we went on the honeymoon first night at Stone Mountain, the other couple nights, none of your business, but it was <laughs> nice. Together, it's been for 36 years. But uh, she got her own car now. And then she's riding at me, I said, I'll see you in the garage. Come to open, well, open what door, girl? You got hands for yourself? Valerie and I never argue on our way to church or from church. We never argue. We've got that down. Some of the worst fights take place before you, in your car. Go ahead and say amen. God knows your junk. We never. Well, how do you manage it? Because I drive separate and she drives separate. <laughs> this man is a genius, isn't he? We go to the mall. We ain't holding no hands, Pastor Jeff. I'm sitting right there reading the book. You know, we guys, we go to the mall, we go to buy. Women go to shop. See, uh, th this tile was given to me as a gift. And she knows who, she, who did that. But if I, uh, if I uh, wanted to tie, do you think I'm going to 14 different stores? I'm going over here. I'm walking by the men's other stuff, the ladies' other stuff, the kids. I'm going right to the tie, see if it matches the shirt. Usually I don't buy ties and shirts for myself because I don't know how to match anything. <laughs> you didn't have to say amen. <laughs> and I buy it. And I bring it up. But, but, but women shop. They go in groups. <laughs> They're going to have a shopping day. <laughs> We go to the mall in Georgia. 
And they will try on things after things, put it back, try it on, put it, go to the other store. Somebody told them if they buy one at that store for ten dollars, they go down the road to the other store and get two for twenty. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so so you do the math. You do the math. So they go and they buy two, and they they they. They bring it home, they try it back on, and then they take it back. Fourteen times they do that. So, why is that important in this message? It's because I haven't lost my enthusiasm for Valerie. Uh, It's just that I, just that I need to do some things better, don't I? I ain't going shopping. You know who's the f- most frequent guest at our house? Most frequent guest? UPS. You know who's the number one salesperson for Amazon.com? That's her right there. I'll repent just a minute, honey, but it feels good right now. Just kind of detox. Put it, put it back on the screen. I want to show you the other part. I don't mind you laughing, but I want you to see this. The, no, back that slide. To a Christian, it describes a state of indifference, complacency, and apathy. Where are you going with all this? To tell you, remember when you first got saved? I do. You carry the biggest Bible. You couldn't wait for the church to open the doors. You wonder why didn't they have church on, on Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday? You remember when you first got saved? You were full of joy and exuberance. You, you wondered why you waited so long. And everybody ought to know who Jesus is. And, and, and you memorized verses and you had witnessing cards and you tithed and gave your offerings. And, and because of the, pardon the expression, I don't mean to be offensive, but because of the hell hole that God pulled you out of, you, would, you, would, you wouldn't let the praise go without clapping, without singing. You'd be the first one to praise God and stand up and give Him glory because you were not ashamed of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ for it still is the power of God unto salvation. Time has evolved now. You've been saved for a while and you get a little disgusted sometimes if the song goes a little longer. Or if, 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 if the uh, choir repeats it or if the preacher preaches a little longer. Or if, if, if the offering is, uh, you know, it's not right up your, I get a little upset now because you used to pay your tithe and now you're paying your tip. I'm telling you, this is not a seeker sensitive message. I'm telling you, we got to repent. Okay? And so, so, so I, I'm saying to you today that some of you get upset when somebody was, will step out here and raise their hands or jump or have a wonderful time. It's because only recently they remembered that they were on their way to hell and to bust it wide open. There wasn't no therapist who could help them. There wasn't no drug program that could help them. There wasn't nobody who could heal them from cancer or all the symptoms they have of messing around with uh, inappropriate medications and drugs. And God, God found them in their place known as hell. And God reached down, picked them up, and now you can't shut them up because they're born again and they remember. If you remember, give the Lord thanks. Let me move it haste to say this to you. Put the next slide up, if you will. The Bible says, the message that God's giving us here is, if we are simply going through the motion, if our heart is not in it, in God, if we are not living and working for Christ every day of our lives, we are of no benefit to God. I don't know how any, any plainer you could put it. 
I'm saying to you, you don't have to be a clergyman, you don't have to be a bishop, you don't have to be a, 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 a licensed credential person. If you are in the kingdom of God, born again by His blood, believe in His name, He has delivered you from darkness into His marvelous light, then if you are simply coming to church and going through the motion and your heart's not in it, you're more concerned about what they're serving at Golden Corral or Charlie's or seeing your football game today, which I enjoy football, if that's your greatest passion what you're thinking about, and you're not working for Christ every day, you are no good to the kingdom of God. You're a distraction. That's what, that's what he says. I'm not mad. I'm just telling you. But I thought the pastor, you know, you thought wrong. We all evangelists. We all have a testimony. You have your cell phone. You have your, your Facebook. You have your email. You have a voice. Somebody ought to say amen or owe me. I, I'm telling you, my friends, because everything, the thing you're sitting on, the thing you're wearing, the thing you're going to ride home in, and the thing you're going to go home into, they're all going to fade away. But your soul, and there's a your soul, and your family's soul, and the world that's going to hell in a handbasket. One day, God is going to look at us and say, welcome to heaven. Did you bring anybody with you? The next slide, please. How does this condition of lukewarmness really make Jesus feel? It's not my words, it's his words. He said, I will spew you, I will spit you, I'll vomit you out of my mouth. You ever try to drink lukewarm water? You don't want it. See, the, the problem at the city of Laodicea with its water system was that its water in the city was somehow contaminated, so it was no good to them. So they had to pipe through conduit water from two cities. One was ten miles away. Heropolis. From it came hot water because they had a lot of hot springs in Heropolis. It would come about 10 miles through the conduits. And then they would get their cold water. So Laodicea is right here. They get their cold water from Colossae, which is about six miles away. Fresh from the spring, an artesian well. All the way, it flowed through the conduit or the aqueduct system. Hot water from Colossae, cold water. Pardon me. Hot water from Heropolis, cold water from Colossae. And by the time it got in the middle to Laodicea, it was lukewarm. And I, and I, I say that to tell you that when, by the time it got there to, 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 to Laodicea, the people were going to spit it out of their mouth. They had no refrigeration, so they had to find some way if they're going to have a cold drink. Because God wants you to be cold if you're going to be something. Uh, in the sense, if you're going to be cold, meaning be refreshing. A good drink of cold water. That's what he means. Don't mean be cold spiritually, but, but a good drink of cold water. I, I, don't like, I, I don't like lemonade room temperature. Can I get an amen here? And some of you all like iced tea. Can I get a witness? You don't like your iced tea without ice? Why in the world would you call it iced tea? Valerie said the other day, she was at her mom's house, helping her mom and dad, uh, and uh, her mother, uh, she, uh, was it cereal? Yeah, she was getting some cereal, and, and so Valerie put a couple spoons of, uh, well, her mom gave her, you know, of sugar into the, into the uh, cereal bowl, and uh, stirred it up, and because they were moving and all, and this was came from a plastic bag that her mom had put, pouring the sugar in the plastic bag and all, and Valerie took the first spoon and spit every bit of... <coughs> 
right out of her mouth. Mama says, what's wrong, what's wrong? Mama, it was salt. You had salt, salt in that bag. That, that, didn't, that wasn't sugar, it was salt. You, you get the idea how God feels? You're going to be the hot, burning hot for me. You don't have to be like a whoop, glory, wild, five foot, six in, inches Indian man to be on, hot on fire for God. But my, my God, help us. You don't have, some of you don't even, you know why, you, you know why sometimes I lay my voice like this and other times I yell? Because another thing we ain't going to be is a church where you sleep while I preach. Yeah. Huh? Uh, i got to keep going. The next slide. Because you say I am rich. Uh, you, 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 it doesn't just mean that you're rich, wealthy as far as things. But, but you, you don't have to be rich to become in love as a Christian with material things. Do you understand what I'm saying? We know that millions of Americans have a lot of things for which they cannot pay. But they loved it. Why wouldn't you get a regular... 26 inch TV. No, you got to have 52 inches and you ain't got $52. So we find people who are worshiping their boat today and worshiping their car today and worshiping their house today and, and, and worshiping uh, their, their, their bonus points from the cards they use that they can't pay to go off someplace else instead of being in the house of God. You understand what I'm saying? And the Bible says, as we approach the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ in the book of Hebrews, that we should not forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the man of some is, but as we get closer to the coming of the day of the Lord, we're going to need each other. So, so if you will, if you will, the next slide, please. Here, here, here's, where, here's what the Lord says. The message of is, you, you say you're rich, but you're really poor. Number one, you're poor in giving. Did you know that of all the Christians in America, the average Christian gives to the Lord 2.5% of their income. The average Christian at South Metro Ministries gives 2.5% when God said 10%. Do you know that less than 30% of you tithe in this house? And, you, and the only people that get mad about me preaching tithing are those who are already robbing God. I'm going to just tell you like it is. God has your blessing in mind first. You see, he says to you, if I can trust you with a little thing, I'll give you more stuff. But if you're stealing from me and robbing me, and that's what a lot of you have been doing for years, and you're still doing it here today. And you get mad when I try to raise an offering for the kids, and I, you get mad when I come up and do something. The average Christian in America gives 2.5%. That is sorry. And God says, you're robbing me. And God, the, the, the book of Malachi asks, can a man rob God? And the answer is, yes. You rob me in tithes and offerings. But you could take five bucks, give it to Jesus, and go spend 50 bucks on your family for dinner and, and go on your way feeling wonderful when God is the one who provided. You could, you could go buy tickets to Six Flags, a lot of toys, a lot of money spent, all kinds of ways. But when it comes, when, when, when the offering place passes by, it's like it's got Ebola. I didn't come to play. Some of you all back stuff to God and it's time you get caught up because you think you can't rob God and steal from God and expect God to bless you. You're wasting your time praying for another car, another house, another job and saving your marriage when the God who gave you everything simply asked to honor me with something back. Here's where we're poor. We're not only poor in giving, we're poor in, put it up there, self-dependence. 
How do I mean by that? Let me, let me get this right. Maybe we're rich in self-dependence. The question is, can we get to the point in our lives that we have so much and we're doing so well that we think we don't need God? We have gotten there as a church and as a church in America. God is probably not in 80% of the churches in America and they don't have a clue. What, what, what about this thing of thanksgiving? He says, you're poor in thanksgiving. Can we get to the point in our walk with God where we, we have so much and we're doing so well that we fail to realize and be thankful for the source of all blessings? I don't, oh God, I'll short Every time I go in and out of the hospital, I'm glad I'm coming out and not staying. That's not to criticize those in there. Every time I see somebody with a feeding tube, they couldn't help because I, I'm glad I'm able to, to take my fingers and take a fork and bring it to my mouth. Anybody, every time I see somebody in a wheelchair, I'm glad that I'm not in it because, because, uh, because it's not that they're sin or done anything wrong. Can I get a, can I witness? Every time I, I bring a book up to my eye, or I can read, or I can see the beauty of nature, and the lo- I, I, that's a gift of God. That my, that my heart is not hooked up to a pump makes me glad. I got to be thankful. That, listen, and I'm not against, some people have to have dialysis. Please have dialysis. Take care of yourself. Take your medication. But I don't have to have it right now, and I hope I don't have to, and I'm going to love and pray for others. But I'm here to tell you that, that we, we need in this month of Thanksgiving to do what one church is doing. We need every day, every day to write down the journal one thing for 30 days that we are thankful for that God has given to us. We are way ahead on our gripe list and way behind on our thankful list. Go ahead and praise God because it's right and it's part of my life too. That's my junk. I'm behind. I complain a whole lot quicker than I compliment. Okay, here's something else we're messing up with. Priorities. South Metro Ministries must get their, our priorities in place. I've got people in this church who served in different ministries at different times, and now they're sitting down with their arms folded every Sunday because they were taking a little sabbatical. I'm not against sabbaticals. But you left one ministry, and you're sitting there folding your arms, and you've been, it's been a year now, and you didn't do nothing for God. That's why 20% of the people in the church do 80% of the work. Are you mad? Probably. Yeah, I'm probably mad i got a few other words I can't use publicly, but I'm that too. You see, I'm your agitator in your washing machine. Have you ever tried to wash clothes without an agitator? You're going to be drying dirty clothes. And when God, God has rung my bell, He has lit my wood. Okay? I have more time behind me than I have ahead of me. I have a neighbor this week who fell, who didn't fall, he died of a massive heart attack at age 56. And, I, I, and, and his wife, Alicia, says to me on the phone, she says, I, I'm mad at God because he was such a good man. I said, Alicia, be mad for a while, but don't stay mad now. She said, I ain't pastor, I ain't staying mad. But he was such a good man. And she's absolutely right. But see, you and I don't control that. Yeah. When we go. We didn't control when we came as a baby, and we ain't going to talk to God. So, so you need to get your priorities in order because he may be coming today or you may be next. Put it, put it up there. Put it up there. Here, here's where we need to get. Uh, we are poor. No, we're not kind of poor like a third world country, but we're poor 
in serving. We're poor in giving. We're poor in loving and forgiving. Help me out here, somebody. There's some stuff you just got to let go. You got to forget about it. You got to say, they may never apologize, but they ain't going to keep me out of heaven because I'm being bitter. Can I get an amen? I'm telling you, you got all kinds of stuff you can pull out of their closet and mess up their lives, but just take care of your speck in your eye, the beam in your eye, and let God take care of the speck in their eyes, and go on your way and serve God. Whether they're hot or cold is not your business. What's your business is that you are burning on fire with the love of God. I wish somebody helped me praise God. Here's something else I want you to see. One more thought here. Blind. In a city where they had ointment and the medical center to specialize in eyesalve and ointment, they were blind spiritually. Can't see that I'm backsliding. Can't see that I'm not reading the word like I used to read the word. Can't see that I'm not committing to service like I used to. Can't see that, I, that I'm hanging around crowds who cuss and swear and tell dirty jokes and used to bother me. But I guess it's everywhere and that's the way it's going to be before Jesus comes. So, well, you know, that ain't, no, no, that ain't the way you're supposed to be. Naked. Naked, he said. He said they were, they were, they were it doesn't mean that you're physically naked and you're embarrassed because, because you, no, he means you're clothed, but, but naked in the sense of a lack of producing fruit, a lack of producing uh, uh, the, the gifts of the Spirit of God. And more, more particularly, not just the gifts, I should say the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, faith, temperance, self-control. Oh, is there another one? No, I'll make it up. Next slide. How do you cure all this? Let let, let me me tell you, I'll go there. We are not going to be a politically correct church. We are going to be a spirit-filled, and when the spirit moves, we will speak in tongues, and there will be interpretation, and it will all be done in order. We are not going to patronize people on their way to hell by soothing them and stroking them because they're from this party or that party or got this money or that money. This week, the CEO of Apple came out and said, his name being Tim Cook, that he is gay. And he used this phrase, being gay is a gift from God. I don't know what book he's reading. And I don't know who is his God. It must be the God of America because it ain't God Jehovah. You understand? Okay. Mr. Mr. John Upchurch wrote him an open letter that the Church of God posted on its website. John Upchurch wrote him a letter. Can I just, can I just read a little bit for you? Thank you. I know you want me to. He says, Dear Mr. Cook, now, let me tell you this. I got iPhone. She got iPad. I got, is it called MacBook? Book Mac, Macaroni, what? Yeah. <laughs> I got that. So they, these guys, Steve Jobs, when he was alive, and Mr. Tim Cook, who's now the CEO, they are excellent in their technology and computer software, and they got the best equipment. Okay, uh, being a student now, I went and spent over $1,500 in a laptop so I could do the other things, okay? And I bought theirs. So they know their stuff there, but apparently they ain't got a clue. 
about this book. Okay? So, so here's, here's Mr. John's upchurch letter to him. I won't read all of it. It says, you don't know me. I'm not a CEO, a tech guy, an actor, or a politician. I'm a writer with a blog. And in parentheses, not many of those around, eh? But I've been following your work for a while, back in the 90s. I finally had enough blue screens of death and driver incompatibility issues from Microsoft Windows. So when a certain Bondi, B-O-N-D-I, blue gumdrop of a computer came out, you guys called it iMac. I plunged in head first. He says, I, I'm even one of the few who love the hockey puck mouse. I don't know what that is. Uh, I know what the mouse on the computer is. He goes on to say, my house looks like an Apple store at this point. MacBook Airs and Pros, iPads, iPods, and iPhones are presently members of the family. I'm even typing right now on an iMac. You say that, you could say he's, he's writing to Tim Hill, open letter. He says, you could say that I'm an Apple guy. He goes on to say, recently you, you did a very brave thing this week. You finally confessed to being gay. I have to admit, I wasn't surprised. Your avid support of LGBTQ, which has to do with the lesbian and, and gay community, your, your, your avid support of them and concern for those who suffer from fear-based attacks has been a big giveaway. You could say that it was as well-known, kept secret as your iPad. He goes on to say, uh, your confession was brave, but now he says you don't need to stop there. Confession should only be the beginning. You need to surrender. You see, you claim that being gay was a gift from God. But I have to tell you, even if it's hard, that what you said just isn't truth. He goes on to say, I can't say I completely blame you, especially in this country we live in right now so mixed up. We Americans have our ideas about God really mixed up and the pull of these false ideas is seductive. The God, low G, not capital G, the God that many Americans worship has a pretty hands-off approach, lays out infinite paths to heaven and generally just wants us all to be happy when we make decisions. <laughs> I don't care if your name is Obama. I don't care if your name is Steve Jobs who's going on. I don't care if your name is Clinton. I don't care if your name is Oprah. I don't care if your name is Alan or the Pope of Rome. I don't give a flying flip what you care about me. But when you start messing and saying God gave you a gift, when you start using my God and his word, I'm not going to sit down and shut up. You can leave if you want to and never come back. If you're searching for God and you're gay or you're a lesbian or you're homosexual or you are an adulterer or a fornicator or a liar or a, chief, a thief, if you're looking for God, you are welcome here. But if you're going to bring your trash in here and tell us we got to like it, you got to find you another church. You got to find, we ain't going to be that church. You understand? We're not going to say, God said anything unless God said it. We, I don't care if you're Republican, you're Democrat, you're Independent. You are not going to buy me out or buy this church out on God, on Christ, on this rock. Jesus Christ said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So, Mr. Cook, come to the music, somebody. Mr. Cook and all your cronies, tell them I told you, including the mayor of Houston, that I told you that this is not going to be 
A Laodicean church. Put the next scripture up there for me. And if you get mad and leave, we probably need your chair anyhow. Is there a cure? There is. I advise you. God says, I give counsel to you. I advise you, those whom I love, I advise you to repent. I'm giving you this this much time. Because if God were to take a spiritual thermometer and stick it under our tongue, spiritually, I wonder if it would read cold or lukewarm or hot. Imagine every one of you, including Alan Matura and especially Alan Matura, that God took a spiritual thermometer and put it under our tongue and held, it, and, and held his watch and gave it a minute. I wonder if he's going to find us cold, lukewarm, or hot. You know that. Give me the next scripture. In the name of Jesus. The Bible says, And everyone who has this hope, meaning the hope of going to heaven, in him, in him purifies himself, just as he, God, is pure. Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. Here it is. And you know, in First John 3, 3 and 6, New King James, and you know that he, Jesus, was manifested to take away our sins. And in Jesus there is no sin. Whoever abides in him does not sin. You don't go fornicate and sleep around with somebody's husband or wife all week and then come to church and act like you're saved. You don't pull up stuff on your web drive or your, your computer and your cell phone and, and, and text. And I'm not trying to get... You don't do all that. And tell me you go serve God. Whoever does not abide in him sins. But who abides in him, and whoever sins has neither seen him nor known him. But the fact of the matter, just like Mr. Cook, you can find the Savior. You can, he stands at the door and knock. Verse, behold, I stand. And the door doesn't have a knob on the outside. Your door. You have the knob on the inside where you live. Jesus won't push himself in. He won't turn the knob. Look at this. I want to show you this. This is a, and all who have this hope in himself purifies himself as he is pure. Everyone who sins break the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. Do I, do I have that in another version? Take, take it to the last slide. I think I have it in, in the, uh, what is it, D? The, the last of the rendition. Help me, Jesus. And everyone who really believes this, that Jesus is coming again, will try to stay pure because Christ is pure. But those who keep on sinning against, are against God. For every sin is done against the will of God. Everybody stand up. Please. I want every staff member of this church. I want every elder of this church. I want every prayer team member of this church. I want anybody involved in any ministry of this church to walk down the aisle and come stand in the front facing me. We're going to repent right now, starting with the leadership. If you're usher, if you're a greeter, if you're hospitality, you're an elder... If you in a choir, if you whatever, if you serve in any volunteer capacity in this church, step down the aisle. In Jesus' name, we're gonna have to, The Bible says repentance begins at the house of God. The rest of you need to be praying in your spirit. You need to be praying because God says if they can come out of the closet, we need to come out of the closet. We're playing church. We're going to start with these guys, and the rest of you guys, you know what stuff you got. 
Don't blame your wife. Don't blame your husband. Don't blame the economy. Don't blame your genealogical tree. And don't blame me. I'm not mad. I'm zealous. Because I got more time behind me than I do ahead of me. And when I'm finished, I do not. I'm not looking for some mansion in glory where I could just cool off. I'm looking to hear my Lord say, well done. I want to be a Jeremiah for God. I want to be an Isaiah for God. I want to go ahead and risk everything I got because he gave everything he had so that I could live. So everybody in this house, including you to the front, I'm going to give you 60 seconds, including me, to lay it out, uh, confess. Everybody raise your hands, all of this church. For the first 60 seconds, you pray. You confess above a whisper. Don't look around. Confess right now. Your stuff. I didn't ask you to... Come on. Lay your stuff on the altar. You know what, what you, you know like me, what you've said that you shouldn't say. You know where you've been that you shouldn't have been. You know what you thought that you shouldn't have thought. Come on. You know, come on, come on. You, you, you know, you know the things. You know your Achilles heel, your weak spot, and the devil knows it. Come on, all over this church. Husbands need to be repenting. Wives need to be repenting. Business people need to be repenting. Come on. Students and teachers need to be repenting. If you're born again and there's sin in your life, you need to say, God, you called it lawlessness, and it'll, it'll send me to hell. And I don't, want, I don't want to go to hell for nobody or nothing. I, 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 oh, oh, I repent today. And everybody else, lift your hands, repeat out loud after me. Everybody in the church that will, if you don't want to, you don't have to. Lord Jesus, you know my stuff, and you know my temperature. You also know my works. And some of them are not good. Even though I'm born again, I have become slack in some areas. And I repent today. And I might be the one who thinks I'm saved. But I really am not. Today, Lord Jesus, forgive me of being rich in the world and poor in Christ. Turn that around. I repent from bad attitudes. From a judgmental spirit. From being a hypocrite. From being self-righteous. Wash me. And help me not to sit in the stands. And watch the game of life. But help me to get on the field. And rescue the perishing. And win the game. That is really not a game. But it's about eternal life. I repent today. Let November 2nd. 2014, go down in the record book that I'm not lukewarm anymore, but I am full of the power of the fire of God. So change me to change others. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap. Everybody in the church, come on, you just, you, you, you repented, all, all of you, you repented. I repented. Come on, come on. Ah, devil. Sing, sing that song you did this morning. My, my, come on, come on, come on, come on. Now lift your hand with him. Stay where you are. Don't go. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit smmcog.com.